Good day once again and welcome back to the podcast. In our time traveling adventure, today is Tuesday, 1st of October 1946. Just a short letter today from Bet to her godmother, Edith Thompson, back in her hometown of Sydney. The front page of today's Sydney Morning Herald reports the latest results of the federal election conducted last Saturday. It looks as though the Australian Labor Party will continue to maintain government despite losing nine seats in the lower House of Representatives. The main featured story, however, in today's Herald is titled Nuremberg Trial Judgment, the Tribunal's Finding of Aggressive War. Nuremberg, September 30th. The International Military Tribunal today began delivering judgment on leading Nazi war criminals. The trial started last November. It ruled that the 21 leading Nazis who were on trial were engaged in many separate plans to wage aggressive war and were thus part of a giant German conspiracy. The tribunal also held that aggressive war was a crime, that conspiracies existed to commit aggressive war, and that war crimes and crimes against humanity had been committed. Elaborate precautions were taken to prevent any untoward incident during the reading of the 250-page judgment. Lord Justice Lawrence of Great Britain began reading, and the other judges then read in relays. Verdicts and sentences relating to the 21 individual defendants will be delivered tomorrow. Sydney weather today. The city forecast fine and cool, light to moderate southerly to southwesterly winds, moderate seas. Before catching up with Bet today, we'll resume the story of UNRWA. Chapter 20. Tales of High Adventure. The industrial rehabilitation files tell tales of high adventure in storied lands. The rolling stock, which the army had been using to move lend-lease supplies across the mountains and deserts of Iran to Russia, was picked up in knockdown condition and moved 8,000 miles to China, where it was assembled and put in running order. An ordinary salvage expert, reclaimed practically all of the cargo of a supply ship which sank after hitting a mine in the Adriatic Sea. He had no modern equipment, only empty barrels and drums for the flotation. His work crew consisted of native fishermen and off-job men. The occupying Germans had drawn the water from Athens' uncompleted marathon dam system down below the danger point. It would have taken a year or more for the water level to rise again, so UNRWA engineers developed new wells and piped fresh water into the reservoir. Soon, Athenians were getting supplies in excess of five gallons a day for each person. The largest single rehabilitation job was repairing the breach in the Yellow River in China. In an effort to stem the Japanese advance in 1938, the Chinese High Command had made a breach in the dike and flooded western Hunan. Subsequently, the breach has widened to a full mile and the uncurbed waters of the Yellow River spread across 23,000 square miles with a normal population of 4 million people. After numerous delays, UNRWA restored the breach and repaired the riverbanks in March 1947. The former flooded areas are now ready for rehabilitation and UNRWA mechanised equipment will save several years in putting them back into shape to start producing again. 
These and other stories make the rehabilitation files more than a musty record of dollars spent and tons delivered. They underline again the technical skill and the steady perseverance of the men and women who went out for UNRWA to direct the patching-up process in the devastated lands. And they show the considerable extent to which the supplies and assistance provided by the Relief and Rehabilitation Agency helped stave off economic chaos in each country in which they were poured and gave that country something to work with in the long pull ahead. We'll resume the story of UNRWA in further episodes. But now, let's hear from Beth. Mrs. Betty Souter, UNRWA Nanchang, Changsi, 1st of October 1946. My very dear godmother, I had planned to write to you yesterday, and then in came the mail bringing me 25 letters from home, including one from you. No time for writing. I just read my eyes to a standstill. All the news about Jew and Walter and young Rolf had not had any home mail for about two weeks and was beginning to get most fidgety. My letters just put me on top of the world again. Everything in the garden is lovely. I hope you will like the enclosed piece of embroidery. The usual plan is to mount such a piece on a scroll or have it framed. I don't really know what you might like to use it for. It's much easier to send it this way, unmounted, If we want to send a parcel, we have to wait till someone goes from Nanchang to Shanghai, and I see no prospects of that for a while. I loved getting Uncle Fred's letter, and Vic's too, and we'll write to them again later on. We have seen the photo you mentioned of the starving people in Hunan. No, I've not visited that province. It is generally recognised as being one of the worst famine areas, and a few months ago, There were many deaths daily from starvation. Some friends of mine who have been there said that the amazing part of it all is that there is actually plenty of food in the shops while people die on the streets. Chinese are not humanitarian. The beggar and the poor man are kicked even further in the gutter by their more fortunate compatriots. Must not overload my letter or it may be opened on suspicion. Lots of love from Bet. Production credits for this episode. Produced and narrated by Warren Henry, the voice of Betty Souter by Helen Polkinghorne, and the featured tune from 1946, Stone Cold Dead in the Market, He Had It Coming, performed by Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Jordan and his Timpany Five. Dead in the market, he's stone cold dead in the market, he's stone cold dead in the market. I killed nobody but my husband. Last night I went out drinking. When I came home, I gave her a beating. So she caught up the rolling pin and went to work on my head till she bossed it in. I like old dead in the market, stone cold dead in the market. I like old dead in the market. She killed nobody but her husband. (laughs) 
lick him with the pot and the frying pan. I lick him with the pot and the frying pan. I lick him with the pot and the frying pan. And if I kill him, he had it coming. Man, he's stone cold dead in the market. He's stone cold dead in the market. He's stone cold dead in the market. I killed nobody but me husband. Is swearing to kill her. My family is swearing to kill her. His family is swearing to kill me. And if I kill him, he had it coming. Ill I could did in the market child. Cold did in the market child. I like cold did in the market. She killed nobody but her husband. <laughs> There's one thing that I am sure He ain't going to beat me no more So I tell you that I doesn't care If I was to die in the electric chair Man, he's stone cold dead in the market Stone cold dead in the market He's stone cold dead in the market I kill nobody but me husband Hey child, I'm coming back and bash you on your head one more time no, no, man, you can't do that. You stone cold dead in the market murder. Stone cold dead in the market. The criminal is stone cold dead in the market. I kill nobody but me husband. 